How you guys doing? Man, you sound absolutely wonderful, and I bet those online sounds wonderful. Just a couple of quick reminders, and that is today we are excited about a whole lot of stuff. We know that uh, it's Women's Day, but it's also Women's Month, and you know, in my life, every day is Women's Day, so... uh, because I've got a great wife that told me to say that. So uh, um, that's why I'm saying it, because I want to have a great life. If mama ain't happy, how many of you know, oh, happy day, oh, happy day. So, uh, but we are, we are really excited about uh, several things. That is second service. Don't forget, the children's ministry is opening second service. So that's, you know, so those... Those of you that have pre-registered, that's awesome. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, I mean, on Saturday, the volunteers were here just working, putting stuff together. We have an amazing team, and we are so, so proud of them. And uh, they just great, uh, did a great job. And then again, uh, don't forget, Daylight Savings Time is, you know, it's one of those uh, days that I don't know why. I thought we voted it out, but, you know, what do I know? I know nothing. Uh, uh, so I don't know why we have to keep on changing the clock. It's confusing. Uh, uh, so, but we are doing it, so don't forget uh, uh, that we are springing forward, uh, which means you lose an hour of sleep. But I know Larry will probably show up. Thank God for Larry. So it'll be Larry, myself, and the staff, and Pastor Miranda. So that would be wonderful. Uh, uh, I don't think Pastor Noel is going to make it. He'll probably be here for second service. But anyway, uh, um, you know, so just, uh, just a friendly reminder. And then also one more thing. I want to say thank you to all the volunteers that came out with our Project Home Key and put uh, uh, the bags together for our veterans. Can you give them just a great God bless you? Now, I want to say thank you to the volunteers, but I also want to say thank you to all of you because you have done such an amazing job. Now, we know that we are not done yet, but yes, here's what's, here's what's amazing. We have gathered, because remember, our goal was to make sure that we have at least 80 of these uh, 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 baskets together for the veterans, but we have 150. We have, and so by the time this ends, we're going to double and triple. So they are going to get not just blessed, they're going to get abundantly blessed. Why? Because the Rock Church did what God told them to do. Amen? And uh, you are... You are incredible dispensers of God's grace. And uh, Pastor Man and I, we just, I, I'm so overwhelmed just by, by your faithfulness, just by the way that you respond to the needs of others. Nothing to do with anything but just loving somebody else. And uh, thank you, church. Thank you uh, for showing what you are really made of. And uh, that just makes my heart happy And because uh, I feel like going home and saying somebody gets it. Hallelujah. Uh, after all of this. You know, uh, you know, sometimes as a pastor, you know, uh, I feel like, you know, being an undertaker because, uh, you know, somebody asked me, well, why? Why do you want to be an undertaker? Is that more? But no. I said, well, at least when you straighten people out, then they stay straight. If anybody know what I'm saying. So, uh, well, but we got a whole lot of work to do, right? So uh, are you ready for the word? Okay, let's dig on in. And uh, today I want you to turn in your Bibles to that faithful passage that you should know off by heart right now, which is Matthew chapter what? Five. And we are talking about Beatitudes. We are talking about to be or not. We are making a decision every day of our lives. What are we going to be? What are we going to build our lives on? And uh, Jesus teaching us how to construct our lives, how to build our lives, and uh, so that it can reflect and it can mirror God's kingdom. Our lives must be built on kingdom uh, principles and kingdom standards. That's the standard. That's the principle. We do not build like the world builds or even uh, use the materials that the world system tells us to use. Jesus gives us a different roadmap. Somebody say roadmap. And that is the roadmap to a blessed life. If you want a blessed life, if you want to live a blessed life, if you want to really want to be in that place, in that, uh, 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 in that sweet spot of God's success, then you got to do it God's way. Because God is the only one that really knows what the right kind of life really is. And the roadmap starts with uh, uh, the work of the cross, and it follows completely the way of the cross. And God's roadmap does not follow uh, uh, well-traveled roads, if anybody know what I'm talking about, because it's not part of the culture. 
It follows the way to, to a better quality of life. It follows the way to a deeper way of living. There is no higher form of purpose. There is no greater design to a blessed life than the one that Jesus gives us. That's what we must download. That's what we must understand. Everything that Jesus has said thus far in the Beatitudes has now led us to the very next statement that Jesus makes. And I want you to look with me in verse 8. Watch this. Very simply, the simple sentence. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I want you to say it with me online. Why don't you get ready to say it with us? Uh, outside, say it with us. Right now in the room, say it with us. Are you ready? One, two, three. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's do it one more time. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, this shows us who have chosen, which people have chosen to build God's way uh, that have followed Jesus' directions because they are willing to build God's way. They have continued to experience the power and the, and, and the presence of God. And, and, and how do you know that someone has experienced the power and the presence of God? Very simply, their heart has changed. If you've experienced God, your life cannot be the same. And this, this purification of the heart starts with our willingness to admit our own poverty. And we mourn over our own sinfulness. And we embrace meekness as our identity, as a weapon to use. And we hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. And we represent Jesus to others. How? With a heart of continual mercy. That is who we are. That's not just what we do. It's who we are. And only when you've done that. Now we're at the place where your heart, slowly but surely, is beginning to reflect the purity that is, need, that is needed. Possessing a pure heart can only be possible if we are willing to go through the process. Because you do not automatically have a pure heart. As a matter of fact, you are wicked. Hello. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now if you're with somebody at home or right here in the building, right here on campus. Why don't you turn to somebody, look them square in the eye and say, you are desperately wicked. And then tell them, I'm not done yet. Tell them, you are deceitful above all things. Say, I'm not done yet. Come on, say, I'm not done yet. Don't get mad. I'm not done yet. Saying, you don't even know your own heart. Oh, happy day now. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is saying that the state in which our hearts are is of primary importance to him. Now, today I'm going to take you on a journey. I'm going to take you fast. I'm going to take you quick. We're going to visit a few stops. And then we're going to serve a burger at the end and it's going to be great. All right? Not really. But maybe a burrito from Rustico, which is going to be miraculous. Last time I checked, it's Italians making Mexican food. I'm telling you, we believe in miracles. Easter is going to be fantastic. But here's what I know about my, my friend, Chef Francesco. Anything he touches, mm, delicioso. Anything that man touches. If you've never uh, eaten at Rustico, I am a part partner. I get uh, 25%. No, I don't. I get nothing. I don't even get a thank you for making this ad. I wasn't even asked to make this ad, but I'm making this ad because I'm telling you, my friend Francesco and his wife, Philippa, ooh, glory to God, do they know how to cook. I I've lost my complete thought. That's my heart's in the wrong place. Forgive me. I told you I'm wicked, and here I'm just showing it. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody hungry? Come on, let's, let's quit and let's go eat. Our faith is alive because we now have a life-giving relationship with the Father. That faith is birthed by understanding the grace that we have been offered through, the, through what Jesus did for us. It is not simply obeying a preset of rules and regulations and, 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 and say, well, I have to do this. Why? Because Jesus is not just interested in your obedience on the outside. He's interested in the reason for your obedience on the inside. Religion is about the, the outside, about a bunch of rules. But God's word is very clear that a relationship with God is a matter of the heart. The heart matters above all things. Because to God, the heart is the seed of who we are. We not only do the right things, we do it with the right motivation. Our hearts must always be engaged. There is never a time as a, as a follower of Christ, as what Jesus is saying, there's never a time where we disengage our heart. 
Whatever we do, when we give, we engage our heart. When we love, we engage our heart. When we give mercy, we engage our heart. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And in the same way, love your neighbor as yourself. It is an engagement of who we are, an engagement of the inside. Our heart must always be engaged. Meaning what? Meaning every action we take is a matter of the heart. Now, Jesus emphasizes the heart because he knows something, that our hearts determine the direction of our lives. Wherever your heart goes, that's where you will end up. That's why the proverb writer writes this in Proverbs 4.23, very familiar verse. Watch this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it determines the direction. Your heart determines your direction. The highest priority in our life should be to do what? To guard our hearts. We have to diligently guard our own hearts. It's not simply one of our priorities. It is our main priority. The main thing in your life, the main thing in your spiritual walk, the main thing in my spiritual walk is that I have to guard my heart. Why? Because once my heart gets polluted, I'm polluted. And once I'm polluted, I'm going to act polluted. We got to get this. Limiting to what a person can do outwardly does not change who that person is inwardly. Behavior flows from an inward nature of an individual. So when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, he was emphasizing our need to be what? To be right on the inside. Listen to this verse out of the message paraphrase. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this. You are blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Ordering my inside world uh, by setting my heart and mind on what God wants for me. I think all of us realize that by this stage in your life and my life, that there is no way that you can fool God. Trying to fool God is absolutely futile. It doesn't work. Now, trying to fool others might work for a, for a season or for a short, short period of time. You know the saying, uh, I mean, you can fool some people some of the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. And we might be able to fool some people by pretending to be something that we are not. And we might be able to appear like we are walking with God when we are not. But God is not fooled. And if we're honest with ourselves, uh, 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 then we uh, find ourselves in a state of what, what I would term self-deception. And we know that God knows. Throughout Scripture, there's clear evidence that our hearts matter and that, that God knows the absolute truth about what's in it. Uh, go with me real quick to 1 Samuel 16, 7. And God wants to bring a new king. And Samuel, you know, anointed Saul. And Saul looked good on the outside, but he wasn't good on the inside. So now he goes to uh, Jesse's house to find a new king. And he sees this handsome lad. And watch this. But the Lord told him, Samuel, don't think Eliab is the one just because he's tall and handsome. How many of you ladies have found that out? Don't worry about it. Let's move on. He isn't the one I've chosen. People judge others by what they look like, but I judge people by what is in there. So God's standard of judging us is way different than anything else. The Lord told Samuel, people judge by the obvious, but I judge by what is hidden. Why? Because what is hidden is the true person. What is hidden is the true character. What is hidden is the true nature, and what is hidden will eventually determine the destiny of that person. Jesus is not impressed with an outward expression of a so-called belief. He looks beneath the surface to see what possesses the human heart. Now, uh, how do we know this? Because we see throughout Scripture, for instance, when Jesus did the, the wedding at Cana and he uh, you know, multiplied the wine and everybody was happy, he's there at the Passover now. He goes to the Passover in Jerusalem. He does a lot of miracles, a lot of signs, and then people, people are, are getting real excited about Jesus. And watch how John puts this in uh, John chapter 2, verse 23. Because of the miraculous signs that Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. Now that sounds like a positive, doesn't it? All right, it sounds to me like a positive, but watch the very next sentence. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. Oh, holy Toledo did you see what I, did you see what we just read? Did, did you see that? So, so people say, well, I trust Jesus. That's not the question. The question is, does he trust you? It's a much bigger question because why? Why must Jesus be able to trust me? Because if Jesus trusts me, that means he really knows me. And if he trusts me, that knows my heart is in the right place. 
It's clear from these verses that God looks not only at the outward, but He looks at the real condition. So why is the heart so important? Because it is the real you. The writer of Hebrews tells us that no one will see God without holiness. And we are being told to be holy like our Heavenly Father is holy. So Jesus places an incredible value on this beatitude for us to understand. Listen to what the proverb writer says in Proverbs 27 verse 19. He says this, As the face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. Even in the Old Testament, we we see that God has always been after the heart. So what did Jesus mean when he said pure of heart? What does pure really mean? Does it mean perfect? Does it mean sinless? If it does, all of us are in deep weeds. Can you give me an amen to that? What it means, it means my heart is being worked on. My heart is being perfected. Uh, the Greek word pure is the word katharos, and uh, it is where we get the word uh, 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 catharsis from, which we know uh, the word catharsis is to make clean by cleansing, to make pure by cleansing. Uh, people say, oh, that was a cathartic experience for me. That means, that means oh, it was a real cleansing experience. Maybe they went for a break or for a rest, and they said, oh, I, I, I just feel better about my life. I feel better about it. Why? Because it was cathartic. It was a cleansing And that's what Jesus is saying is that you and I are not perfect, but we are being perfected. Now, here's the thing. If a pure heart is the most crucial thing that we need to have, then we have to identify what's going on in our hearts. But not only identify, we have to rectify what we identify. And not only do we have to rectify what we identify, we've got to look at what is the biggest obstacle to a pure heart. And here's the good news for you today, and it's the good news for me, is that Jesus is going to tell us what the biggest obstacle is to a pure heart. Anybody want to hear it? All right, four of you. That's exciting, man. Last week was only two, so watch this. So so, so Jesus is going to show us, because he's going to show us the biggest obstacle to a pure heart. How do we know it? Because this thing is being repeated in the New Testament again and again. And we see that Jesus throughout his ministry, that this topic of discussion was not only presented uh, by Jesus, but Jesus was confronted with this problem everywhere he went. His ministry was under constant barrage with this hard attitude that it is so important that all three of the gospel writers, except for John, tells us about this interaction that Jesus has with his disciples about this problem that will keep you and I from having a pure heart. Are you ready for it? Look at this in Matthew 16, the first one. Watch this. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When you read the context of that, this is right after Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves. And so Jesus says, you guys have any bread? They, start, they didn't bring any bread. So they start arguing with one another. Oh man, why didn't you bring the bread? You should have brought the bread. I told Judas to bring the bread. No, I mean, I know, you know, so-and-so should have brought the bread. And then Jesus stops them. He's like, stop, you idiots. He didn't say that. I'm saying, it says, come on. He says, were you not there when I multiplied the fish and the loaves? Do you really think I'm concerned about a little bit of bread? So he says, no, you got to watch out what? For the what? The leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now watch this, Mark. Mark records, and Mark's going to give us a little bit more information. Then he charged them saying, take heed. Somebody say, take heed. That means watch out. Say, watch out. Say it again. Remember, you got to guard your heart above all else. So watch out. Beware of the what? Leaven of the Pharisees and that Jesus adds and the leaven of Herod. Mark adds the leaven of Herod and by doing so is giving us a deeper insight to what Jesus is warning the disciples about. The greatest opposition that Jesus faced was not from those who profess not to know God, but those who profess that they knew God best. What is Jesus warning them about? He's warning them about something that has the potential to ruin and rob the joy of a blessed life that only Jesus can bring into our lives. Finding and keeping this joyous and glorious blessed life will will only hinge on identifying and eliminating this leaven that Jesus is warning us about. Luke then brings in the final detail. And uh, let me just take this off because I'm sweating like a... A bullfrog in a hailstorm right now. All right. What's this? I want you to note this. Look in Luke chapter 12. 
Because Luke is going to add this, and it is so powerful because he's now going to give us the final detail that we need. Watch this. Luke 12, 1. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, so you imagine now the scene. The crowd is there. They're all pressing in. They're stepping on one another to hear what Jesus has to say. And Jesus doesn't focus on the crowd. He focuses on who? On his disciples. And he says this to him, beware, watch this, of the what? Come on, help me. Beware of the what? Leaven of the what? The Pharisees. And then he's telling us what it is, which is what? Come on, which is what? Jesus makes sure that they understand the primary importance. While the crowds gather, he downloads the truth first of all to his disciples. He clearly tells them what this leaven is. And if you saw that and you repeated it, you know what it is. This leaven of the Pharisees that will hinder you and I from possessing a pure heart is very simply hypocrisy. I'm going to say it again. Hypocrisy. Here's the thing about hypocrisy. Everybody hates hypocrisy, especially in others, but no one is willing to admit that they are a hypocrite. Hello? <laughs> Come on now, somebody. Just give me an amen. amen. Even when we act in hypocrisy, we refuse to admit hypocrisy, and that leaven pollutes our hearts. Which, by the way, when you refuse to admit something, you are actually acting as a hypocrite. In essence, you are being a hypocrite. Amen. We have people that say, well, I'm not a hypocrite, but I sure know a bunch of hypocrites. Come on now, somebody. I am not a hypocrite. We know that. Right? I'm not a hypocrite. They are hypocrites. What is interesting with both the leaven of the Pharisees and, and, and the leaven of Herod is that here's the thing. Yeah, I, I want you to, to hone in. I want you to listen to what I'm going to say to you. It's always about a head and agenda. Now, I think we are mature enough to, in this room, mature enough online, mature enough as we listen to you today to understand that everybody has an agenda. I have an agenda this morning. I came to this platform with an agenda. How many of you are glad I came with an agenda? Now, the thing is, though, the question is not that I come with an agenda. The question is, what is the motive behind the agenda that I came with? That's the question. Having an agenda in itself is not bad because we all have it, but hiding a true agenda when I present one agenda, but I'm hiding another agenda, that, my friend, is hypocrisy, and that, my friend, is destroying us. One of the reasons why we dislike politics so much is because the stated agenda is, is very real, uh, very often not the real agenda. We are being told things, but it's not always the truth. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter what, this is not about what platform you stand on. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Politics about gaining advantage, no matter what politician they are. They want you to vote for them, and then they're going to do what they are going to do, no matter what they said. So Jesus warns, and he says, hey, this leaven is in the Pharisees, but then he uses the politician. He says, and this leaven is also inherent. So he says, be very, very careful. You say, what is that? How does this work? It is, it is positioning. It is posturing. Politics is about gaining an advantage over someone else and using whatever method or message in order to accomplish that. Pretending to care when in essence you don't give a yawn. And I would have said something else, but thank God my heart is being cleansed, all right? You don't, you don't give a, I mean, you, you act like you care, but you don't really care. Now, 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 let's fast forward this because i got to move this forward. i got to get to a better place, and we are going to get a little bit worse here in a moment. Look at the same verse out of the message paraphrase. Luke 12, watch. Verse 1. By this time, the crowd, unwillingly and stepping on each other's toes, numbered into the thousands. But Jesus' primary concern was his disciples. He said to them, watch yourselves carefully so that you don't get contaminated with Pharisee yeast, Pharisee phoniness. You can't keep your true self hidden forever. Before long, you'll be exposed. You can't hide behind a religious mask forever. Sooner or later, the mask will slip and your true face will be shown. Oof. You can't whisper one thing in private and preach the opposite in public. The day's coming when those whispers will be repeated all over town. The greatest challenge to having a pure heart, 
Because I want to have a pure heart. Why? Because I want to see God. Is this duplicity that is birthed from the seeds of hypocrisy. So the question I have to ask myself, and maybe you can ask yourself this morning, where are you playing the hypocrite? Can I tell you where we play the hypocrite? Wherever you are doing the opposite of what you say you believe. Amen, preacher. I was happy in the beginning, but I'm not happy anymore. Talk about Rustico, it was better. You see, where are you playing the hypocrite? Wherever you expect one level of living from someone else, but you yourself do something completely different. Wherever you compromise and pretend and then justifying it, even using so-called religious verbiage to cover it up. Because God really knows. You see, I want to make a statement to you that I believe is a powerful statement. We need grace when we are honest about our sin, but we need truth when we try to cover it up. I'm going to say it again. We need grace when we are honest about our sin, but we need truth when we try to cover it up. The remedy for hypocrisy is the truth. Why? Because truth brings light. And light brings exposure. And only when we see how something really is, do we have the capacity to change it. Jesus telling his disciples that if you're going to be my follower, then honesty, integrity is truly the best policy. You need to understand that if you just, listen, if you want to try to apply grace to hypocrisy, all you're going to get is a, is a Christian that is not motivated to change. You've got to apply the truth. Because some of us, here's what we want. We only want grace. Listen, if you are living in sin and you say, well, just be gracious to me. No, I need to be truthful to you. How about if you go to the doctor and you have cancer, but he he doesn't tell you why? Because he knows people people don't like it when he tells them they got cancer. Because, you know, I mean, I don't want to make people mad. I don't want to disappoint people. So I just tell them, uh, you're not well, but, you know, we'll try our best. What's going to happen to you? Come on, help me some. You're going to die. When it comes to your health, what do you want? You want truth. Tell me the truth. Why? Because once I have the truth, then I can fight my battle. See, the problem with us, we want, we want, we want grace all the time, every time, when that's necessary. We do live from the place of grace, but we need to understand we need grace and truth. Jesus was grace and truth. We need truth where you are living a lie. You don't need grace. You need truth. That's why I'm here this morning. I came with a bucket load of truth to help you and I get rid of the leaven that's in our lives and live the way God wants us to live. Because Jesus is saying this little bitty thing, this little bitty area, it's like a little bit of leaven. You put a little bit in it, but guess what? It pollutes the whole lump. If you, if you, if you don't believe me, just check, this, check out these verses. I'm just going to read them to you, and, and, and you, you'll get them. Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to this wonderful audience called the Pharisees. And then he's talking to his people and he says, guys, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to listen to what they say. How would you like Jesus to tell you, uh, do what they say, but don't do as they do? It's exactly what Jesus is saying. Why? Because look at verse 3. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. (laughs) It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Look at Matthew 23, 23. Are you, now, Jesus is going to start, going to get real kind with the Pharisees. Watch this. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the Lord, justice, mercy, and faith. And before you say, well, praise God, that's why I don't tithe. Read the rest of the verse. You should tithe, Yes. Hypocrite. But do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides. Are you hearing this? You strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you actually swallow a camel. So as Jesus is saying, is that you, you, you're so particular about, you know, because both a camel was unclean and a gnat was unclean. So they strain the very thing that they water. There's, there's not even a gnat in it. But Jesus said, while you, are, while you are straining to get the gnat out, you're actually eating a camel. How many of you know how offensive that is? 
That's not the kind of preaching where you want to tithe. Are you with me, somebody? He goes on, what sorrow awaits you? And this is just a few verses I'm pulling out. What sorrow awaits you, teacher of, of religious law? And you Pharisees, here comes the blessing word again. Hypocrites! For you're so careful to clean the inside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. And I think that word should be preached today to the church in America because we are preachers that are exactly that. They are full of self-indulgence, full of greed, full of themselves, full of what they want, and they are nothing but a bunch of hypocrites, and God is beginning to expose it. But we have to be careful because the same measure we measure, we will be measured straight back to us. So don't celebrate over somebody else's sin. And don't celebrate that God is revealing it. You should be on your knees praying for your brothers and sisters because they need God. Because maybe God can take those people the same way if their hearts are in the wrong place today. Why can't God change their hearts and use their platform for the glory of God so that they can actually do things God's way? So let's not get picky here. Hypocrites. Come on, that's what what we play. We are quick to point out other people's sin. But yet we ourselves are not doing the very, well, you know, I don't have the platform. doesn't matter what platform do you have. Why? Because look at verse 26. You blind Pharisee, you blind rock church. First wash the inside of the cup and the dish and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. You do your own thing. I'm not even halfway through. But I think we need to take a breath right now. See, when we operate in leaven, we are more interested in how we appear than how we really are. And having a a pure heart is having a desire to do the right things for the right reason. In God's view, a pure heart, right actions is only one step. Right motivation is just as important as right actions. Now, 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 the question is, how do I know what's in my heart? Come on, boy, tell me. How do I know what's in my heart? Here's what you know what's in your heart. What comes out of your mouth? Our mouths is the release valve for our hearts. Let me put it to you like this. Your mouth is the faucet of your heart. Now that is a tweetable quote right there. Make sure you give me credit. Your mouth is the faucet of your heart. You listen to a person long enough and you will know what is in their heart. Just listen to people talk. You know what exactly is in it. Listen to what people say. In unguarded moments, not guarded moments, in unguarded moments, that's in their heart. Listen to what comes out of people's mouth when they are under pressure. That's in their hearts. The real question is, what's coming out of your mouth? Most people say, man, I have to watch my mouth. Jesus says, you can't do it. Well, but I'm going to try to watch my mouth. Jesus, stop trying to watch your mouth and change your heart. That's the first thing. Because your mouth is only a reflection of what's going on on the inside of you. And until you change your heart, your mouth will never change. Why? Because your mouth follows your heart. Watching your mouth without changing your heart is like trying to keep your mouth closed when you have to vomit. It's not going to be a good experience. Are you with me? I know that's, that's very visual, but it's very true. Now, look at this. Look at Matthew 12, 33. Uh, uh, Jesus says this. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be what? Bad. You brood of snakes. Jesus is in a happy mood again. <laughs> oh, I just want to be with Jesus. Really? You, you know how tough Jesus is. I don't know what sermons we read from the Bible, but hello, How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever's in your heart, what? Determines what you say. Jesus said it. Henny didn't say it. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this. And Jesus said, I ain't done yet. Watch this. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. 
The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. That sounds harsh. Wait a minute. Every word, yes. But how do I change the words coming out of my mouth? Allow God to change my heart. You see, because once my heart's changed, my mouth is changed. It doesn't work the other way around. See, we cannot hide from our words. We can only account for them according to Jesus. To justify something, it's very easy to say this. I've said it, you've said it. We say this. Well, you know, God knows my heart. Have you said that? Well, God knows my heart. Can I tell you something? That statement should terrify you. You shouldn't use that statement as a validation of bad behavior. Because if God knows your heart, then guess what? You can't hide. Hello, somebody. The question is not, does God know your heart? The question is, do you know your heart? You cannot cover up wrong behavior by confessing a pure motive. Because wrong behavior comes from wrong motivation and wrong motivation comes from an impure heart. Jesus is saying with this beatitude that our first motivation should be to please God by allowing Him to purify our hearts and that would lead us to right behavior before others. I want to I take this last five minutes and I want to hone in on, on how, how we can see this. Watch this. Paul writes and he says this so you can see in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Watch this. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Thank you. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. That's why I'm not afraid of you. You know nothing. I'm afraid of God. He knows everything. I can hide from you. I can't hide from God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that the one that I'm actually going to give an account to, that's the one that I'm going to be accountable to every day. So I don't want to do things that I don't want to be published tomorrow in the front page of a newspaper. Because God's newspaper already knows what I did yesterday, the day before, the month before, and what I'm about to do as well. Uh, is anybody with me? So to get rid of a heart that is infected with this hypocritical spirit, what must we do? We must embrace the truth so we can see the light. Then God's light reveals something that's powerful. Are you ready for this? It reveals God's love. The highest expression of a pure heart is that we do everything out of love. How do you know that you've reached a place in your life where your heart is pure? When your whole motive is just about loving God and just about loving others. When every action that you take and every motive that you have and every word that you speak is only motivated by the love of God. That you just want the best for people. You want to move them forward. You're not afraid of people. You know God is going to hold you accountable. But your motivation is just their best. Whether people leave you, whether people come to you, where people run from you, you're going to preach the word in season, out of season. And you're going to do what needs to be done regardless of what anybody says. Why? Because your motive is God's love. You just plain and simply love people. No matter what they say about you. No matter how they treat you. No matter how they gossip about you. No matter how they lie about you. You simply are going to walk in the power of love. Why? Because the expression of a pure heart is a heart that's bathed in the love of God. Whatever is not motivated by God's love actually weakens our hearts. Yet when we act from a motivation of love, our hearts is being made strong, being made blameless. Look at these verses. Oh my goodness, there are so many. But let me give you a few. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. And may the Lord make you what? Love for one another and for all people do what? Grow and? Come on, help me, church. Grow and? Come on. Online, just type out, grow and overflow. Grow and overflow. Grow and overflow. What, what must grow? The love of God. What must overflow? The love of God. Grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, somebody say, as a result. Say it again. Online, why don't you type it out right now? Type out, as a result. You right, sitting on the outside, as a result. Say that, as a result. So as a result of what? As a result of the love of God, that I am what? Come on, help me out. That I'm growing in, and that is being what? Overflown. Because that's happening, what's going to happen? Here's the result. Are you ready for this? May He, as a result, look at these words. Make your hearts how? 
strong. What's the next word? What? Blameless and what? Holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen. Amen. How incredible is that? That we have gone all the way from a hypocritical heart from a heart that's about judging others, from a heart that's about not judging ourselves, from saying, well, you just have to give me grace, to living in the power of the truth, in the arena of truth, where I allow God to expose my own hypocrisy, where I watch out for this leaven that begins to pollute me if I allow it in. It might not be a big deal. It might be something small, but I'm beginning to cross, cross the line again and again and again. Why? Because slowly but surely, my heart is drifting away. Let me say this to you. You don't fall away with one big swoop. You fall away by allowing leaven to grow day by day without exposing it. How do I know my heart is being purified? A purified heart always expresses itself in love. Now watch this. Look at this. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. Can you give me a few more minutes? Look at this. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of what? The love of God. Somebody say the love of God. So, so Paul says, I want you to fully experience what? The love of God. Why? So that you can grow and overflow in love. Why? So that your hearts can be blameless. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Are, are you getting it? Look at this. Paul takes it even further and explains this to Timothy that he, Paul, had a very specific purpose in mind when he taught the believers. Watch this. He wanted them to be filled with love that is birthed in a pure heart. Look at this. The purpose of my instruction, 1 Timothy 1.5. The purpose of my instruction. Remember I told you it's not bad to have an agenda. So he says, I had an agenda when I taught you. Here's my agenda. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers... Would be what? Filled with what? Love. Now watch the next phrase. This is going to make you shout. That comes from a what? Holy Toledo. That comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. My. This whole theme is explained in the New Testament again and again and again. How we miss it, I, I just don't get it. Jesus warns us about hypocrisy that even the smallest amount have a devastating effect on our hearts and, and our lives. Jesus made sure that the disciples understood the subtlety of hypocrisy uh, by using the example of leaven. It's not big, it's small, but it grows. Why? Because a little goes a very long way. It affects everything it touches. He gives a clear instruction on how to identify it and how to recti rectify it. He says the mouth reveals the heart and the heart reveals the man or the woman. So Jesus speaks truth to the hypocrites and grace to the sinners. Have you ever wondered why Jesus was gracious to the people who messed up? Because they were honest that they messed up. Why was Jesus so hard with the Pharisees? Because they were lying about their own sin. You see, when you lie, you die. When you lie, you cannot walk in truth. And you need truth to be set free. Ever wondered why he was so hard with the Pharisees? Because they were hiding their true corruption and yet they claimed God as their father. Do you desire a pure heart? Then you need to walk in the arena of truth. Any lies in our lives opens the door for hypocrisy. And that will pollute your heart because we'll start justifying it. Polluted hearts have a great difficulty to allow the love of God. If you're struggling to love other people, you probably say, well, I just struggle with love. No, you might have some hypocrisy in your life. I, I, uh, my name's Henny. I'm your pastor. Last time I checked, and I'm trying to help you. If you're struggling to love, it's probably because there's some hypocrisy in your life. Why? Because if you, like your, if you love yourself and you don't love other people, you have a problem because that means you've done some things wrong that the same things that you're holding people accountable for that they've done wrong and yet yet you want them to act in a certain way that you haven't even acted yourself when you do something wrong you're mo well yeah I didn't, I didn't mean to come on now I, oh, I, I, I don't, you know I know I said the wrong thing but oh, you know what my, my heart's pure no it's not let's just say it as it is if, if junk is coming out of your mouth you've got a problem with your, it's not your husband well you know if this husband of mine would just treat me bad no it's you well, if my wife, shut up. It's Women's Month. Keep your mouth shut. 
this whole thing. We, the problem is we, we, we have this concocted thing instead of our yes being our yes and our no being no. Instead of who we are, we're afraid. Preachers are afraid to preach the truth. Why? Because they're afraid you're going to take your money and you're going to leave and then they can't pay the building and they can't pay the bills and then what are we going to do? Guess what we're going to do? We're going to do the same thing we tell people to do. We're going to trust God. Because if my life depends on you, I am in trouble. Life does not depend on you. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I, I, I dismiss you. Absolutely not. We grow together. The problem is the church is so weak and weak-minded. We, we, we hate one another and then we go sing glory, hallelujah. I love my brothers and sisters in another church. We leave churches without even communicating it. What does love do that? So guess what the problem is? Your heart. And then I get mad and bitter about it. So guess what? My heart. Come on, somebody. Why do you think that Jesus addresses mercy before he addresses a pure heart? Because he wants you to walk in love. And then next week, Jesus puts this pure heart right in the middle. And then next week, he talks about the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. Mercy, pure hearts, embracing the truth leads to peace. Why don't we have peace? Our hearts are messed up. Why don't we have peace? We ain't given any mercy. Why don't we have peace? Because we're not hungry and thirsting after righteousness. We're hungry and thirsting after every other thing that will satisfy. Why don't we have peace? Because we are not using humility as our clothes. We're wearing self-righteousness. That's what we're wearing. And Jesus is saying, hey, 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 you're actually blind, miserable, poor, naked, and you're running around naked, and you think you find clothes, but the emperor doesn't have new clothes. The emperor is naked, and you the emperor. And Jesus is saying, just admit it. Don't try to put fig leaves on. It doesn't work. Your great, 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 grandpappy, daddy's name is Adam. Are you okay out there? The question for us is not how pure are you. The two questions we have to answer is how truthful am I with myself and with others? And secondly, just as important, how loving am I to others? Because that reveals the purity of my heart. And let me close with this verse just to give you a kumbaya moment. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Put that verse up. Watch this. 1 John 3, 14. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves. What does it prove? We have passed from what? Death to life. Glory. But a person who has no love is still what? Dead. Means you ain't saved. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer. Where? Do you see why the heart is crucial? Well, I have a problem with this person. God says if you can't love that person, you don't know him. Yeah, 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 but no. Let's read on. Are you still okay? Are you still out there? And you know. Somebody say, I know. know. What do you know? It's what you know. That murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is. Okay, give it to us, John. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, John. What is it? We know what real love is. How do we know what real love is? Because Jesus gave up his life for us. And we would wish the verse would end. It doesn't. Wait. There's more. Turn to the person next to you. Online, in canvas. And say, remember, I told you were wicked. You are wicked. But listen, I can help you. What's this? So we also. Somebody say, so we also. Say it again. Come on, say it again. Say it one more time. So we also, online, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. This Christianity 
is not about what I can believe God for. Because my purpose, my dream, my vision, where God is taking me and my ministry, my promises. This is about dying. This is about laying down our lives. And this is about loving people, no matter where they're from, no matter who they are, no matter how they are. Laying down our lives. Jesus clearly tells you, and Paul clearly tells us, read the New Testament. He says, my judgment is not against sinners. Why? Because sinners are going to sin. As a matter of fact, Paul says the ones that we are going, the ones we are hard on is the ones Jesus was hard on is who? The ones in the church that profess one thing but live something completely different. He says those are the ones we are hard on. Those are the ones we have to give the truth. Because it's only when the truth comes that light comes, revelation comes. Then love can come so that we can overflow. So that we are able to do what John says, to lay down our all of this comes from a heart that's pure. You say, Henny, so if, if I lay down my life, does it mean my heart's pure? Well, not necessarily. Why? Because you can have great acts. But if it's not motivated by love. You see, you can die with a martyr's attitude daily and say, well, why do I have to die? Why me? Why do I have to go to the rock church and listen to that loud mouth preacher? You know why? Because God loves you enough to bring you here today for you to tune in online so that somebody can finally tell you the truth. So that we, we don't play religious games. We don't cover up with religious verbiage. We don't preach stuff that doesn't change people's lives. We don't profess that the Pharisees and Herod has the power. Yeah, they might have the power, but God has the ultimate power. Because we're going to live our lives for the glory of God. And we're going to love people no matter what they, what they say and how they act. Because we are brothers and we are sisters. We're going to lift up the weak. We're going to encourage the weary. We're going to speak words of life. We're going to be grace givers, mercy dispensers. That's what we're going to do. Why? Because we want our hearts to be pure. We want to build our lives the way Jesus told us to build our lives. That's what we are going to do. Because we want to be called blessed, not by people. Not because of the address of our neighborhood. Not because of the licensing of our car and what type of car we drive. That is just superfluous. That's just over and above. That's not blessing. Blessing is to be able to look at people and truly love them. Blessing is to be able to have a heart that is the only motivation is because you love people. That's all. Not because you want an agenda. Not because you want something from them. Not because you want to receive something from them. But just simply because you want Jesus to be formed in them like Jesus is being formed in you. (sighs) We become a church like that. We are going to be contagious. We're going to be unstoppable. You You can't but love people like that. And the broken and the wounded and the people that are full of mess come and they get embraced by God's love and hear the truth. Not to sit in their dysfunction and stay the same that they are, but to be changed like you have been changed, like I have been changed, like God has taken someone like me. And let me tell you something. If God can take somebody with a polluted heart like I've had and are working through me and are working through the process, then there's hope for every single person. There's hope for you. Because, man, I found hope in Christ. And in Christ alone, I place my trust. Let this work of purity happen. Let the Holy Spirit do what only He can do. And create in you a clean heart. Let Him do it. So guess what? So that you and I can stand before Him. And we can see God. Everywhere we go. Prayerfully. That's exactly where you want to be. Let's bow our heads right now. And I'm just going to ask you very simply. If you want a pure heart. According to Jesus. Then you need the truth that overcomes your own hypocrisy. And you need love. For your fellow man. And if you say Henny that's me. Would you just pop your hand up. So I can see it. Thank you. Online. Why don't you do the same. 